Hey friends, I'm curious, has Nothing Is Wasted as a ministry had an impact on your pain to purpose story? Whether it be from the encouragement you've received from this podcast or going through the pain to purpose course or the 42 day devotional or being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted community, we want to hear how Nothing Is Wasted and the resources we have to offer have directly impacted your life. We know so many of you have seen God work through the stories you've heard on this podcast or through your local church's pain to purpose course that you've been a part of. And and we want to hear how nothing is wasted has been a part of God's healing and redemptive plan in your life. Now, I know God isn't done yet. And I know from personal experience, he is often healing us and stepping into our pain in a thousand different ways. And oftentimes he uses everything from the podcast we listen to, to the courses we sign up for, to the people in our life and more. So we want to ask you a favor. Would you share those stories with us? We would love to start collecting your experience on how we have been able to partner with you as you have partnered with God to take back your story. So do us a massive favor. Again, share those with us. Share with us what God has done in your story through Nothing Is Wasted by doing this. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash stories. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash stories. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be right here at YouTube if you're watching YouTube. There you're going to find instructions on how to submit your story and all the details for recording the ways that God has used Nothing Is Wasted to move you from pain into a newfound healing and purpose. You can also experience all the other story submissions right there at nothingiswasted.com slash stories. So watch those, be blessed by those, and then submit your story, please. We would love to hear from you on how God is using this ministry to impact your life. We can't wait to hear what you have to say. Again, go to nothingiswasted.com slash stories. Let us know how Nothing Is Wasted has impacted your healing journey. Nothingiswasted.com slash stories. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I am your co-host, Eric Shoemaker, and I am here with my co-host... Aubrey Sampson! It's great to be here with you, Aubrey. How are you doing today? I am doing good. It's so fun to be with you. I feel, Eric, this is going to sound really ridiculous and condescending, but like you just brought us in and I was like smiling so big because I feel like Davey's my grandpa and then, or okay, let's, yeah, Davey's my grandpa and then I'm your mom. I, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I feel proud of you is what I'm trying to say. Like, oh, look at Eric. He just brought us into the podcast. That's funny since the age order probably Those goes backwards Those were like really terrible metaphors. So no one think no one think too deeply about what I just said. But hey, anyway. that's okay. I'm used to my mom making me feel uncomfortable in public. So. <laughs> hey, look. Look, I'm, I'm lined right up with your own mom. I You're doing it. it. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, this is fun, Eric, though. I love having you as part of the Nothing Is Wasted team, and you're going to get to hear Eric and I chat for the next few episodes. This is so, so fun. Yeah. Um, Eric, today we're joined by Kia Stevens. She's the mm. founder of Entrusted Women, which is something she created to equip Christian women communicators of color. She's a contributing writer for everybody. Like, Proverbs 31, Crosswalk, I believe she speaks at all kinds of conferences. And she has a a new book about father wounds. It's called Overcoming Father Wounds, Exchanging Your Pain for God's Perfect Love. 
And she's going to dive into that, which I, ooh, mm. this it is, is a topic. such a good conversation. You know, I'm ashamed to admit I hadn't heard of Kia before this this episode. I hadn't episode. either, Eric. And I am kicking myself yeah. that I hadn't heard of Kia because she just ministered to me mm. uh, the whole way through really? listening to this. It is, it is so, so good. So... Um, Ugh, love that. I cannot, I cannot wait uh, for our listeners to hear from her. So, um, hey, we'd love to invite you before we listen to Davy's conversation with Kia Stevens. Be sure to like and follow us, engage with us at Nothing Is Wasted. We love connecting with you on Instagram and go on to Apple Podcasts, rate and review, subscribe to the podcast because that helps other people find these inspiring stories. Uh, you know, I know she's about to dive into her own experience with father wounds, but, and I don't know that you and I can sit here and talk about our own father wounds, but I do think we can say that this is going to minister to a lot of people just oh, like it ministered to you. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, I can't wait. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a listen to our conversation with Kia Stevens. Kia, it is so great to have you joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Davey. It's great to be here with your listeners. You know, we were talking just a second ago off air uh, about how how important I think this conversation is. You know, as I was digging into the book that you've just written and some of the work that you've written, I am really excited about this. I have trouble saying I'm excited about talking about anybody's painful experiences yeah. in their past. However, I'm excited about how this is going to impact other people because so many folks are dealing with this particular issue, and that's the issue of father wounds. And so we're going to be diving into your story and your experience in that. Before we do, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Just tell us a little bit about Kia Stevens' life right now. Ooh, we don't have the time, Dave. <laughs> that's a loaded don't... question, right? <laughs> where's, your, where's your little 30-second, uh, <laughs> this is who I am? <laughs> oh, I jokingly say that I'm a mother of two teen boys, uh, and mm. I also suggest that people pray for me on Thursdays uh, and fast from six to six. If they have wisdom <laughs> that they want to offer me about raising teenagers, they can send it to me. You, you can find the contact contact section on my website. But no, you know, I'm in the trenches. I'm in the trenches, Davey. Um, carpool, life lessons, morals, yeah. homework. Did you do this? Dinner, clean underwear, all those. That's what I do on the day-to-day. I am also married to my husband. We're approaching 20 years. Wow. Praise God. So that's evidence yeah. that God is still in the miracle working business. Mm. And outside of that, I also lead a group of women. I created Entrusted Women to equip Christian women communicators of color back in 2016. So I do that, and then I do some freelance writing and speaking on the side. And then I'm also a newly published author of Overcoming Father Wounds, Exchanging Your Pain for God's Perfect Love. Yes. Well, congratulations. I know that's extremely exciting to have released your first book. And um, obviously, you've been doing a lot of writing and stuff prior to that, but it is really quite an accomplishment to finally have your own book to be published. And you know, most uh, most people do not get into writing about 
um, painful things. You know, usually it's the books that we release that are like, oh, this is not the book that I wanted to release because this is not the life I wanted or the experience that I wanted. I believe that yours is probably one of those as well. You know, can you talk a little bit about maybe share a little bit of the synopsis of your story when you talk about father wounds? Tell me a little bit about your experience and and how your upbringing has really impacted you right now today. Well, you know, I felt like God was calling me to write a book when I was in high school. And so I set out to write this book. It was called The Void. And it was basically stemming from this knowing that there was a neediness on the inside of me. There was something that was unhealthy. I couldn't name it. I didn't have language to define it or explain it to anyone. It was just in my knower. So I started working on this book called The Void, and I was trying to describe this emptiness that I felt on the inside of me. Now, granted, if you knew me back then, you would not have thought that there was any type of emptiness because I've always been a go-getter. I was very driven. I was leading everything I could get my hands on, innovating, even in high school, starting things, running for office. I was that person. But there was an emptiness on the inside of me. I I started to detect it in the area of relationships, in the types of relationships that I found found myself in, in my need for Um, attention and validation and affirmation, all the things. And so I started to write about it and then uh, went to college with this idea that I'm going to write this book and and then I'm going to get discovered because I had Mm. the answer to all things when I was 18 (laughs) years old. As we all do in college. We we all do. (laughs) Just let us be the president because we know everything (laughs) and it didn't work out like that. Praise God. And so I took this little book idea with me on into marriage. And so marriage is like putting fireworks in a trash can and putting the lid mm-hmm. on top, you know, and just watching the sparks pew, 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 fly all over the place. And so shortly after that, I got some counseling and the counselor uh, mentioned, have you written a letter to your father? And it was mm. almost like Uh, so many things started to happen that was saying to me, this book that you're writing, this void that you're talking about is about father wounds. And so it kind Mm. of evolved for me. And I I began to get language and I began to research and I began to do all the things. Uh, And then I found a writing conference, Davey. And just before I could make it to the writing conference, the little external hard drive that I had my book on, it fell on the floor and I lost everything. So, you know, to tell this story about, you know, writing a book about father wounds and that's not what every author wakes up and they're like, oh, I'm going to write about wounds. I'm going to write about pain. Uh, This was a story I know that God chose for me based on how my life was orchestrated. And Also, it's a story that would not let go of me. It would not let go of me. It would be 26 years from the time in high school when I knew I was called to write that book to the time when the book actually was released. And I had a friend ask me just this morning, like, how, why would you, I would have, after two years, I would have said, well, maybe it's not going to happen or three years Mm -hmm. or four years, but 
sometimes when God wants you to do something, it's kind of like a haunting, you know, that just will not let up until you go ahead and give in and do whatever it is you believe God is calling you to do. And, And that's the case with this book for me. Wow. Wow. That's a, such a great way to describe it. You know, I think a lot of people, they have the question, how do I know when God is asking me to do something or how, you know, it all kind of boils down to the same question of like, how do I, what's God's will for my life? But I love the idea that it's a haunting. It's something you can't escape. You can't get away from yeah. that, you know, and, and so one that protects us from making really impetuous type decisions where we're like, oh, I feel like this, oh, I need to go and do this. You go, well, maybe I'll sleep on it for a few days, a few weeks, but if I can't escape it, it feels like God's not letting this go, then then it's probably a better indication that this is something that God really is propelling me into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate that kind of uh, perspective of it. I hadn't really heard of it like that um, as a haunting. You know, here's, <laughs> yeah. a, here's my question, you know, like a father wound. I think that this is something that... Um, Many people probably are experiencing, whether they've realized it or not. Uh, I wonder what what you would define as, what do you mean by a father wound? Sure. And then how do we begin to detect that in our own lives? I know you just shared how you begin to detect it through relationships or some relational patterns and stuff. But you know, what is a father, father wound according to like what you would define it as in your experience? But then also... How do we begin to uncover some of that in our own lives? Sure. If you look up the term father wound, it's synonymous with father absenteeism. And so we know that Mm. fathers can be absent for a myriad of reasons. Uh, It could be by way of divorce or abandonment, abuse, incarceration, drug addiction, alcoholism. It could be a premature death or an affair, another woman, uh, or physically present father, Mm -hmm. but an emotionally absent one. And so any of those examples could lead to a a wound in a woman or a man. Uh, And certainly it's not limited to those. I've heard so many different scenarios of how the father was absent in uh, a woman's life. Uh, And in terms of identifying whether or not you have in fact been impacted by the absence of your father, there are a lot of different indicators. Uh, For me, I would experience triggers. I would be triggered Mm. by simple things. It could be a father lovingly embrace his daughter in Target. Mm. Or I remember I was looking at, uh, and he's an influencer. I'm not going to say his name, but he does a lot of work with his daughter. And they were doing some sort of webinar or a a YouTube live, something. It was something like that. And she looked over at him and glanced and he laughed. And it was kind of like they had this inside Mm. joke type thing. And it just was casting a spotlight on their relationship. Next thing I knew, I was in tears. You know, (laughs) I was just in tears. Um, So I think even this very conversation that we're having for your listeners that are listening and and they have been catapulted back to something their father said or didn't say or he did and did not do, that is more than likely an indicator. If, If you're feeling 
there's no way you can listen to me say the things I'm saying right now and have a father yeah. wound and and not be triggered in some way, not have some type of emotional response attached mm-hmm. to the words that I'm saying. Divorce, abandonment, abuse, those are very, um, em- those are emotionally laced words. So... Another indicator would just be a woman's relationship with the opposite sex. Uh, You know, the father is the first interaction that a woman has with the male gender. And so he should prepare her for her uniquely feminine role as a uh, one day girlfriend, a fiance and a wife. He teaches her what to expect. From a man, right. he teaches right. her her value and her worth, and what mm-hmm. she shouldn't tolerate, what she should and should not tolerate, what is acceptable, what is um, who she is apart from her anatomy. And mm-hmm. so, oftentimes, women who did not have a father figure in place in, engage with the male gender. Without that, uh, without the foundation having having been laid by their father, and and so right. many times it's with costly results. And I've seen that I had a running survey on my original blog. It was the Father Swap blog, and uh, over nine hundred survey respondents, and many of the women said that not only were they not fathered, but now they're raising children that are not fathered because it's possible that the cycle can be replicated in future generations if the foundation was not laid. If you never broke the the cycle that that uh, started. The systemic fatherlessness in in your family, then there is a potential to repeat it. Uh, In addition to that, self-esteem, confidence uh, are are also indicators. And then another one, which I'm sure we'll dive a little bit more into, is just how we engage with God the Father. Um, The Father, the biological Father, provides a lens by which we view God, our heavenly father. And so it's, it's common. Uh, I I found this quote in the Washington times years ago that says it's common for people to perceive that God is like their father or the father figures that they had in their lives. And Mm -hmm. so oftentimes people may perceive that their father, that God, the father is distant. Or God the Father is aloof or or passive or or dominant or abusive. Not because that's who God is, but because that's who their biological father was. And so now they have a skewed and a marred lens. And so those are some indicators that the, the relationship with your biological father was less than ideal or that you have a father wound. Mm. Man, well, let, let's dive into that a little bit too. What you were just starting to allude to, there is like, it seems, I see the convergence of two things happen where you have this really important figure in your life, a father, not to say, not to diminish at all, a, a mother yeah. figure in your life, yeah. but there seems to be an element at which there's something at play in like the origins and maybe in, even in the supernatural, right? Where... There is a there is a systemic issue of absentee fathers. <clears throat> it's like the major battle that seems to be at play right now, um, and has been all, all throughout history. 
And uh, it seems to be that that is such an important component to how we understand God. And those two things kind of converge, right? That there is this particular relationship that has to be established, like a synapses almost that has to fire inside of a young child to that there is a, a connectivity with their father that, be, that helps them begin to formulate mm-hmm. their view of their heavenly father. And at the same time, this huge systemic issue where there's an absence of fathers, yeah. right? And, and so what do you, as you dive into that, <clears throat> you know, I'm not trying to like pontificate by any means, but just like there seems to be something going on there that is that seems to be really important sure. for us. Yeah, you know, I had written my entire book and was getting ready to come turn in the final manuscript. And I was like, wait a minute. I have not talked about Satan at all. Hmm. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? And when I wrote that chapter, I I approached it from my love of mysteries. I love mysteries. Mm. You know, I grew up watching Perry Mason with my aunt (laughs) and Matt Locke and In the Heat of the (laughs) Night and Moonlighting and Mm -hmm. CSI and all of that. You know, and so what I like to do was figure out who done it? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I could kind of figure out who done it. But every now and then, and even still now, even though I pride myself on being a gumshoe, <laughs> every now and then there's a murderer in plain sight. Mm-hmm. And when I really started to think about this, Satan is really hiding in plain sight because yeah. his agenda is to keep mankind from God. And if mankind gets to know God or relates with God as father, would it not be a genius scheme to to skew that relationship, to mess up that relationship for generations? So now you have generations that do not know God Because that significant biological relationship that God put in place, his original intent for the family was to have a mother and a father. That was the design. But if you can mess up that design, then you can potentially impact generations, not just in the natural sense, but in the spiritual sense, which is what really is the bigger the bigger issue at play here. Uh, And when you look at it, that means the woman is not, the woman and the man that grow up with a father wound are not the only victims. Mm. The other victim is the actual, is the father. Is the Mm. father that if he has, because the, 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 the goal is that every single human being would have a relationship with God, their heavenly father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, yeah. And if that father, because he was not fathered and his father was not fathered, I'm not making an excuse. I'm not justifying. I am not dismissing the actions. I'm just looking at the facts here. But right. if he was not fathered and he succumbs to the alcoholism, the affairs, the inability to commit to one woman, the drug addictions, the the, the um, incarceration. If he succumbs to that, then it's really uh, the devil 
that wins. If he never finds God because of all of those other social ills that are at play, right? It it it's really Satan who's to blame. That's right. Who's to yeah. blame? And so when I really started to evaluate that, it impacted my perspective. Of course, mm-hmm. it's taken me twenty plus years to begin to look critically at that. I had to work my way through hurt and pain. Yeah. I had to claw my way through my own hurt and, and my own expectations yeah. that were not met and my own anger and bitterness and frustration with what my experience was growing up. But after I began to experience healing, God also gave me perspective. Hey, friends, I can't tell you how many times we've had someone write in or message us asking us for a list of the podcast episodes and resources we have on a particular topic or pain point. In fact, just the other day, someone asked me, hey, can you point me to all the episodes you guys have on sexual betrayal? Because unfortunately, this person had just recently discovered that this was now part of their story. We get this question so much that we decided to do something about it to make it easier for you. Rather than wading through our entire library of very inspirational content, if I may say so myself, how about if we just give you a list of everything that we have on a particular topic you're looking for? We've done that. We built some of these lists, and we call these lists Curated Pathways. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place that will speak directly to what you're experiencing right now or what a friend or a family member is experiencing. We've packaged this in an easy way for you to consume it, you to access this material, or for you to send it over to a friend or family member you know who's experiencing a particular pain point right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. Let's be honest, when you're facing a crisis, a loss, or a trauma, you just don't have the time or the energy or emotional bandwidth to search for what could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways, so that you can more directly and quickly access the resources that you need. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways are all about by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire Curated Pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted Curated Pathways. As a Community Plus member, You'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows and as we release those. Our team has been working very hard to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you, to your friends, to your family, because we know what it's like to face pain and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus or get a little taste of our curated pathways at nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. Both of those links are here in the show notes. 
We want to help you partner with God to take back your story. And we're committed to giving you resources that will help you do just that. One of the things that um, I shared with you earlier uh, um, about my story and, and the murder of my late wife, that all three of those men, they're part of the what characterized their stories, as I learned later, was that they all three had an absentee father. So, you know, I know one of them was in prison, um, you know, in, in the sentencing for one of the men, there was a a large representation of women there to represent him, but zero fathers, uncles, nothing. And so, you know, you can see systemically how that, and this is something that, you know, even statistically we're seeing that it's like somewhere like 85% of male inmates are growing up with, without some kind of a strong father figure. And so it just kind of creeps its way and embeds its way into the systemic criminal issues of our culture. And so that's, a, that's an extreme situation, right? Which some of that's a l- little bit more apparent to us. But I think you also have folks who are listening to this where you've got a dad who's you know committed to the family, working hard, trying to be a part of it, but they, they face the temptation and fight the temptation to just kind of zone out, check out, be emotionally unavailable. And that can be just as detrimental uh, and sometimes maybe even more, right? Um, and so, you know, maybe speak to that a little bit about what does it look like for, you know, any dad who may be listening to this uh, to really lean in emotionally, um, to lean in spiritually with their family? And, you know, how, how can they continue to um, find encouragement within that when it can be very, when there is this very real spiritual resistance against them. Definitely. And, you know, to your point, your earlier point, one in four kids grow up in father absent homes. And those Mm. kids are more likely to become teenage mothers, more likely to engage in crime, more likely to be experiment and get addicted to uh, drugs and alcohol, more likely to live in poverty. And so this message of, of father, father wounds is, is, is key specifically for this time for 2023. Mm. Uh, uh, in response to what you're saying about fathers that might be in the home, but there's a temptation to be physically present but emotionally absent, maybe because of right. work or because of the pressures of life. Uh, one of the things that my pastor said is that uh, if there's something you want your kids to know, you overcommunicate. Mm. Um, you, in fact, he taught a message not too long ago that was talking about negatives and positives and how to counter one negative, you need 30 positives. Wow. And so specifically when it comes to fathers, I think that fathers do not always realize the impact and the power Mm. of their words. Um, The source uh, determines the impact. I didn't make this up. My pastor's Andy Staley, just so y'all know, I want to give him credit. But he said the source determines the impact and the impact Mm. 
determines the weight and the weight determines the outcome. So the mm. uh, the father, the role that he has as leader, as guide, you know, we, we all mothers, we all know that when the father says something to the child in terms of discipline, there is a a corresponding response that is not synonymous with when we say for the child to do something. Mm. Children just respond differently to fathers. And so if there are fathers that maybe don't say anything positive and everything yeah. they say is negative and critical, that's the message that's being sent to that that child. Or if they never say, I love you, if they never mm. say you look pretty or they never validate the intelligence that's the message that the child will leave with. And mm. even if the father is present in the home, I remember I tell this story in my book. Uh, I was at a church service with my mom. We were in Thomaston, Georgia, and didn't know anybody there. And the minister gets up on the podium and he says, how many of you have never heard your biological father say, I love you? And I'm sitting mm. there thinking, that is a little bit personal. You don't know me like that. I don't think mm. I'm going to raise my hand. And so I sheepishly raised my right hand only to discover that there's a sea of hands in, in the front, mm. on the side, on the back. And then when I look to the left, my mother's hand is raised also. And we're believers. These are the believers. Wow. This is the body of Christ. And we're— right. Right. Collectively saying, I never heard my biological father say, I love you. And so I think yeah. it illustrates how much fathers need to lean in. But mm. I don't want to leave people there because some people will be saying, well, good luck with that. My dad's not ever going to lean in or my father's still an alcoholic or he's still living with the woman that he left my mother for or he's he's mm. he's or he's just a workaholic. He's just not keyed in. He's not a believer. He's not thinking about right. it. He doesn't care. He doesn't feel like he's done anything wrong. Or he's from a generation that says what fathers need to do is provide for their family. And if I have provided for my family, then I've done a good job. What's the big deal? If there are listeners, women or men, but specifically my book is for women, that that is your reality. There's still hope. Because God, our Heavenly Father, is able to fill the Father-shaped vacuum that's yeah. in our soul. And, and I'm saying that this as a person who has experienced it firsthand uh, mm -hmm. over time. And I've had people ask me questions of, well, like, how? How is, how is this invisible God going to be a father to the fatherless? And how mm -hmm. is he going to fill that vacuum. I've had women tell me it can't be done. What you're saying is ludicrous. Your father, mm. a heavenly father can't take you on a on a daddy-daughter date night. He can't sit and talk to you about the male gender. He can't take you fishing. He can't do all those things. And for me, I had to um, divorce myself from this box that I was trying mm. to drop God the father in. And I, I did that begrudgingly. I was angry with God for years, mm. for years. I talked to people about my anger. I was still going to church, but I was mm. mad. I was just mad. I, I just did not understand why God would allow that. I, I, and this, the, this, this is the question that everyone asks. How can a good God 
allow this? Mm. It all it all falls back to that that question right there. Whatever yeah. we face in our life that is traumatic and horrific and painful and difficult and hard, we always go back to God. You're supposed to be good. Mm. And then if we were in the church like me, I grew up in the church. My grandfather's a Baptist pastor. It's God, I did this for you. Mm. I, I abstained from sex. I did not drink alcohol. I did not cuss. Or I, I served on the, the usher board. And I was, yeah. I was a junior such and such. And I sang in the choir. I did all these things. I lived for you. Yeah. And this is what you have allowed in my life. What kind of a God are you? Mm. How can you be as good as you profess to be? This is the, you know, the cynicism, the anger, right. the bitterness, the rage. That's how it kind of comes out. Uh, it came out in me that way. And I, I know it comes out in others because I've heard that question over and over. Yeah. And so for me, I had placed God in this prove it box and this box of it has to look like this. Mm. This is how I understand it. This is, if you're going to be a father to the fatherless, it should look like this on my terms. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just have to laugh because the more you engage with God, the more you realize it's on his terms. That's right. It's on his terms. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not to discourage anyone because because God's sovereign and he's omniscient and he's omnipotent. He's perfect. He's holy. He's good. He's good. Yeah. And so we come to know over time that his terms are also good. They don't sure. always feel good, but they are also good. Romans 8 and 28 is mm. good. Um, for me— I had to really begin to know who God is. And it was a day by day, minute by minute type of deal in terms of studying the Bible, studying Jesus. Jesus said, I think it's in John. I'm not sure. Um, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm. And when you study Jesus, Wow. When you study the way that he engaged with the woman who had an issue of blood, she was such she was yeah. an outcast, an outcast. She had virtually no community around her. Mm. She suffered in silence alone for 12 years. Yeah. And at a time where she should not have been in a crowd of people, she pursues God. And he could have let her go. He could have he could have let her slip on into the crowd with her healing, but he intentionally brought this woman to the forefront in in a crowd of judgmental people and said, Who touched me? Who yeah. touched me? Wow. It was not for him. Yeah. He knows all things. Yeah. It was for her. He did it for That's her. Right. To elevate her existence. She was a woman. She had no kids, no husband. She had no value, no worth. Mm. But he elevated her existence in front of everyone. And then he called her daughter. A term wow. of endearment, an affectionate term. 
And, and so I believe this is how God engages yeah. with men and women, but specifically women who have been wounded that have suffered in silence, that have felt isolated, unwanted, unloved, not seen, not chosen, not, not cared for, not thought about. Yeah. You were looking for this affirmation and this unconditional love from the man who gave you life and it was yeah. not there. I believe that every single woman who has that experience can look to God, her heavenly father. And we know how God loves us based on how Jesus has engaged with humanity. Mm. And so that is... Uh, a transformation that took yeah. place in my heart um, wow. in terms of knowing my value and my worth through God's eyes and not having mm-hmm. to be dependent on my father to offer me what he didn't have. My father wasn't fathered. You know, he didn't have. He didn't have it. Yeah. I'm not justifying, dismissing, or denying. Uh, I want yeah. people to know that. I'm just looking at the facts. Yeah, that's good. I think you bring up Right there, a pretty good point in the fact that there's a difference between justifying and having empathy. Right? You can, you know, you can still look clearly and squarely at here are the facts and here's what's happened and here is the, you know, um, perpetration against me. Right? And I want, and we're going to validate that and we're going to make sure that we acknowledge the weightiness of that. And at the same time, I can have empathy toward the perpetrator because I understand more of their story and what makes up who they are and the woundings that they received that they never, uh, they never let God transform. You know, we say a lot here that unless you let God transform your pain, you will inevitably transfer your pain onto somebody else. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so somewhere along the line, you know, as you're saying, your dad had some wounds or some things done to him. He had an absent father in his life and he never let God fill in those spaces and transform his pain to draw a line in the sand. It just kept transferring it. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. you can hold grace and empathy and compassion toward him is what I'm hearing, you know? De- definitely. Now, I want to give people an on-ramp because I, I, I can hear the pushback. Oh, absolutely. Through the podcast. Right. You know, I, I hear I hear <laughs> the pushback of saying, you don't know what my father did to me. You don't yeah, know what he said right. to me. He's taken years from me from me. My right. life was destroyed. This happened and this happened, a financial setback and, and a relational setback. Yeah. And 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 I was violated and this and this and this. Yeah. So the on-ramp is first to just acknowledge. Because some of us haven't acknowledged. I I was at a conference about two weeks ago, and I was saying some of the stuff that I'm saying right now. And I was talking about not having permission to to acknowledge this is what my father did to me. Because fathers come with reputations. Some of them Mm. have reputations in the church. Some of them have reputations in the city. Some of them have reputations on their job. They're who's who, this and this and that. And nobody's going to believe me if I say that, or I'm going to be that person in the family if I bring it up. And I can, you know, whatever, whatever. 
I was talking about giving yourself permission to acknowledge who hurt you, how they hurt you, when when they hurt you. And this 77-year-old woman came to me speaking in broken sentences, Davy, mm. And she was like, everything that you're saying is true. And my father and I couldn't tell anybody. And I mean, it was like that. Wow. 77 wow. years old carrying this. Of course, you know, they came from a different time period in, right. in the 60s. And I mean, you just. You didn't talk about this stuff. No, you, yeah. you didn't even. You, you didn't get deep. counseling. You didn't do therapy. Right. You, you just right. kept that perfect family uh, presentation. And yeah. so I just held her. I mm. just held her and let her sob on my shoulder. Mm. And. I think that's the on-ramp of just acknowledging, not, not with a megaphone, not at Thanksgiving right. dinner. Not on Facebook. Not on not Facebook, <laughs> not on Instagram, not on Twitter, yeah, not on YouTube, not, not on TikTok. That's right. You know, <laughs> n- n- in your prayer closet, mm. by yourself, in a journal, mm. God, my daddy did this, mm. and I have not been able to heal. That's step one. And it's a big step. It seems simple, but it's a big step. And then just invite the Mm. Holy Spirit, who is a wonderful, wonderful counselor. I jokingly say I just looked for a new counselor. It was like shopping for a car. I I was like, I don't know what these letters mean behind this this person's name. <laughs> I don't know. Do I want them to be skilled in cognitive behavioral therapy or EMDR yeah. or, you know, I just don't <laughs> even know. I just need a therapist. Yeah. But I love that the Holy Spirit is a wonderful. That's great. A yeah. wonderful That's counselor. It. He doesn't need to know my, I don't have to take an Enneagram assessment or a disc assessment. Mm. I don't have to go back and 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 retell, fill in all the details of the mm. trauma that happened to me. He already knows. He knows. Wow. He already wow. knows. Start there. That is wow. an easy on-ramp. Those things are doable. It doesn't require any type of money. And it's the best place to start because when the Holy Spirit is in control of our healing journey. Mm. (laughs) Come on. Somehow, I I don't even know how, he puts the pieces in in the place. He does. For someone who's listening right right now, this podcast could potentially be a part of the healing journey that the Holy Spirit has strategically uh, Mm. orchestrated on your behalf. And you're thinking, oh, let me just listen to the Nothing Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Kia Stevens, <laughs> who is that? I never heard of her. You know, <laughs> and then I could yep. say something inspired by God because we prayed before this podcast yeah. that the Holy Spirit would use me uh, that that unleashes the yep. door of healing, that that opens the floodgates of, mm. of God's living water to just pour right over you, wash over you, and you hear something you never heard before, or you get set free in an area where you've been in bondage, or you find healing where you had no hope. You know, that's how God works. Sometimes it's Mm. a podcast. Sometimes it's a message. Sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it's a neighbor. Sometimes it's a child. God help us. (laughs) God help us. 
<laughs> you know, sometimes yep. it's a husband, sometimes it's a wife, sometimes it's a book, mm. sometimes it's a counselor. God uses everything. That's right. The Psalms, is it Psalms 24 that says the earth? The earth is the Lord. Is the That's Lord. Right. That means and everything. Everything. <laughs> Lions, tigers, and That's bears. Right. They all belong to God. And and they're at his resource That's if he right. so chooses to use them. You know, Isaiah 30 talks about how it says, though he give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, the teacher will hide himself no more. He will be like a voice whispering to you, whether you go to the right or to the left, this is the way walk in it. Mm. And it just reminds me of what you're saying right there, that you're saying he's in charge of our healing journey, yeah. right? Through the bread of adversity, through the water of affliction, he's going to whisper in our ears, this is the way walk in it. And sometimes he does that through like what you're saying, through other people, other modes, other mediums. Sometimes he comes in just that still small voice in a very personal, customized way to bring the comfort and the counsel and the direction that you need right there in that moment. And that's the beautiful thing about what the Holy Spirit does in our healing journey. If we're open and attuned to it, you know? Yeah. Hey friend, I'm wondering if you're feeling stuck in your tragedy, your trauma, or some major life transition. I know I've felt that before. The truth is without a clear path and a careful plan, the valleys we face will only seem to grow darker, more depressing, and more difficult to navigate. Early on in my journey, of losing my wife, Amanda, in a home invasion, I know that I realized quickly I needed a guide to help me navigate the aftermath. I did not know what I was doing and there was no manual for this. And thankfully, providentially, God provided me that very guide. His name's Todd Erb. He was actually featured on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast early on. And listen, Todd's not a counselor. Todd's not a pastor. Todd is a follower of Jesus who happened to share the exact same story that I had, his wife and his daughter had been murdered. And God connected us and Todd became a guide for me. He began to point out the different places on my journey that I was potentially going to find myself falling into different pits or things that I was gonna be facing. And it was so helpful to have someone who actually understood and could empathize with the very thing that I was going through, guiding me along the journey and helping me to make sure that I walked the difficult, painful valley of the shadow of death and moved through it. That is exactly why nothing is wasted. We offer one-on-one -on -one coaches now who are ready to help walk with you through your pain and find a path forward towards purpose. Now, you can find a coach who understands your unique story through their own pain to purpose journey because they've experienced it and they're ready to help you create a plan to move through your difficulties. Here's what we believe here at Nothing Is Wasted. We believe you can't repurpose what you don't process. You can't process what you don't own. You can't own what you won't name. You can't name what you can't see. Sometimes we need other people, guides, coaches in our lives, seeing what we can't see so that we can walk from pain to purpose. So to learn more about our Nothing Is Wasted coaching, go to nothingiswasted.com slash coaching. Find a certified coach that will help guide you through this dark time in your life. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash coaching to find someone who can help you today. Together, you and your Nothing Is Wasted certified coach can help you find your way from pain onto purpose. Nothingiswasted.com slash coaching.
Kia, tell me a little bit about you know the journey of of finding, discovering, offering forgiveness to your dad. Um, I mean, I know that like to your point, right? That's a very delicate journey for all of us. All of our journeys are different when it comes to forgiveness. You know, you can't just whitewash or blanket statement like, hey, you should forgive, right? There's, <laughs> there is so many nuances to each yeah, one of our I journeys. Yeah, forgive. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, okay, we understand, but like, how do we actually come to that place, right. you know, and what does that look like? How, what does that look like for you? I remember I was in a counseling session. I might've said this earlier, I can't remember, but the counselor said, oh yeah, I did say it. She said, have you written a forgiveness letter to your father? Davey, I was looking at her like, woman, <laughs> you know, first of all, I already told you he wasn't there. So what am I, what do I have to forgive? What do I even have to forgive? That was my kind of snarky, sarcastic response right. in my head. I don't think I said it out loud. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. Because you can see I'm kind of say what's on my mind. <laughs> but uh, I took her up. I had access to a forgiveness temp- a letter template. And mm. so I followed all of the steps. It's like step one, you write this, say this. Step two, you say this. And I get to the step that allows you to say everything you want to say to your father about what his actions, how his actions have impacted you. Mm. And so I'm listing out all the things like you weren't there for first and last day of school. You weren't there to interrogate my dates. You weren't there for this. And, And because of that, this is the byproduct. This is what has happened. This is what resulted. Mm. I could not finish writing that out. Mm. I was overcome with emotion. And it was in that moment that I realized, even though my father wasn't there, I was impacted by his absence. Mm. And the, the second step, after you get through writing your letter, I finished writing the letter, is to read the letter out loud to an empty chair, which is what I Mm. did. It's an empty chair technique. You just put a chair in front of you and then you sit down in in the chair across from it. I I couldn't get through it. I couldn't get through it. You imagine that the person is there. I've never given that letter to my father. I don't even know where it is. And, uh, but I got so much healing from that. Those, Those two steps. There's a couple other things I share them in my book, um, ways that I found healing. Uh, but uh, one of them is to pray for my dad. My mom gave me that mm. that little nugget because I had some bitterness against somebody else in the church. And she said, you know yeah. what you should do? You should pray for him. And not just <laughs> pray like, Lord will bless her heart, Jesus. But a, a prayer in, in the way that you would want someone to pray for you. Mm. Because it's difficult to pray for someone and hold on to anger at the same time. It's difficult to pray for them and hold on to bitterness, hold on to rage. In the process, Jesus is somebody, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you, you know what? You need to take that offering that you're trying to get. You're not ready. You need to get, go get that right and then come back. Yeah. Over time. That single act right there, sometimes with tears in my eyes, you know, trembling, shaking, I would be praying. But I was committed to change. I was committed yeah. to, be, to be healed, to be different. And so the radical act of praying for my father, I committed to. Yeah. 
Because I didn't want to live bitter. I didn't right. want to live angry. I wanted that abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10, 10. That's what I wanted. I didn't want the bitter right. life and the angry life. And um, not too long ago, I, I read Lisa Turkhurst's book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And I love that she said in the book, forgiveness is two parts. Mm. It's both practical the practical part is relinquishing our right. It's my right to hold you yeah. responsible for the wrong that you did do to me. That's my yeah. right. But I can relinquish it to God. Yeah. And that's what forgiveness is. It's saying as an act of my will, I'm choosing to relinquish my right to hold another person responsible for the wrong that they have done to me. That's the first part. It's very practical. It's a decision. Just like following God, it's a decision. We decide to do it. Yeah. Now, part two is supernatural. We don't have any control over that outside of asking, mm. asking God. Right. God, will you help my mind that is overactive, that really does not forget, that's giving me flashbacks of words, flashbacks of images, flashbacks of feelings and emotions it's all just coming back in 3d in hd hdtv yes. is happening yes. in my brain you know right god will you help my mind and my heart my soul my mind my mm. will my emotions will you help them to follow suit this is a prayer we may have to pray one time two times three times four times over and over god right. is coming back God is coming back because the devil, he will speak to us in first person. It will sound like our thoughts. You know, he's never going to change. You know, you're a dummy. That's dumb. It's dumb to forgive. Why would you forgive somebody? He's not even thinking about you. He's having a good time. He's getting off easy. Why would you even forgive? That's stupid. You know, you these thoughts are coming. Right. And we got we to gotta commit and yeah. decide, no. God is an act of my will with everything I have in me. Mm. I am going to relinquish my right to hold him responsible for the wrong that he did do to me. He did do it. He did do it. Lord, but I want to be like you. Mm. I want to be like you. I want to follow the example that you set, King Jesus, when you forgave all of us. Yeah. Will you help my mind and my heart to follow suit? And then also recognizing forgiveness is not dismissing, denying, mm -hmm. justifying, excusing. It is not reconciling. For some yeah. of us, we will not be able to reconcile with our biological father. There are decisions mm -hmm. that they are currently making or that they have previously made or habits that they are engaging in behaviors and things we can't expose our children to, for some of us, we will not be able to reconcile with our father. But 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 forgiveness is not contingent upon reconciliation. Forgiveness mm. is not even contingent upon the, the father being alive. Because I've had right. some women say, well, what about my situation? My dad has been dead and gone for, for X number of years. And and I want to submit to any listener that's, that's using that as an argument. You can forgive a father that is deceased. 
You can walk yourself through that forgiveness letter template. You can relinquish your right to hold them responsible. And then you can ask God to help your mind and your heart to follow suit. That's something that my mom did. My mom is almost 80 years old. But I gave her my book, a digital copy of my book, and she read the whole thing in its entirety. And she forgave my biological grandfather that has been deceased for more than 20 years. Wow. Wow. That's so good. Well, because to your point, forgiveness, so much of it is about just re- releasing that from releasing, um, releasing the grip that it has on you. Yeah. It's for you. That bitterness. It's for you. Right. Forgiveness is for you. That's right. And our bodies have not been designed That's right. to hold on to vengeance yeah. and to hold yeah. on to anger and to keep mm. our fist clenched tight. Yeah. That is not how God originally intended for us right. to function and engage. Right. That's dysfunction. That's dysfunction. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Whew. Man, Kia. Well, this is, you know, this has just been remarkable. What a great, great conversation. Incredible insight. Um, I know, unfortunately, it's been through a very difficult journey for you. Before we close, obviously, I want to make sure that the, the if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, no matter what platform you're consuming this conversation on, I want to make sure that you get... Um, uh, an easy access to Kia's latest book, Overcoming Father Wounds, Exchanging Your Pain for God's Perfect Love. We'll put a link in the show notes. If you're consuming this on a podcast platform, we'll put it right here if you are watching this on YouTube. Kia, is there anything else that you'd want our listeners to to hear? You know, Maybe folks who are walking through this right now, what's something that maybe is burdening your heart that you'd love to share with them? I always like to say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, we walk through hard things in this life. And sometimes all we want to hear is that somebody gives a care. Yeah. Somebody somewhere gives a care that I'm crying while these people are celebrating or they're laughing. And and I can't even bring my face to smile. I want to say I'm I'm sorry. If your father was not there... If I were God, which there are so many reasons why we need to shout hallelujah that I'm not. Hmm. If I were God, I would give every woman a a loving and attentive and present father. But I'm not God. But I want to say that whatever your father story is, however painful it has been, it's not indicative of the love that God has for you. It's mm-hmm. not indicative of the intentionality God has about your life, um, the care He has about the things that you are intimately concerned about. And so yeah. my hope and my sincere prayer for you, if you are walking through the pain of having experienced father wounds, is that you would not allow what has happened in your life to color who God mm. is so and, and how yeah. God feels about you. I believe God loves you fiercely and lavishly and unconditionally. And and that is my hope for every listener today. Wow. That's so good. That's so good. Kia, thank you so much for reminding us. You know, no matter what anybody has stolen from us, the the time 
the emotional uh, expense that has taken place in our life, the the physical wounding, whatever it may be, God can, our heavenly Father can and wants to and will restore. Yeah. You know, First Peter tells us that yeah. that. Uh, tells us that he himself, he's not going to send somebody on his behalf. He himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. And so thanks for reminding of, uh, us of that today, Kia. It's been just an honor to be able to talk with you. Oh, thank you. It, it, the honor, the pleasure has been all mine, Davey. Thank you so much for having me. That was a great conversation. So good. Yeah, I just I I loved how um, Davy and Kia unpacked uh, the the spiritual impact that father wounds can mm. have, and especially touching on who our understanding of who God is. Right, and you know I I've had a great relationship uh, with my father, awesome. and uh, you know I love him. I uh, loved him growing up, and e- even as I was listening to Kia speak, I was just reminded that when the Bible speaks as of God as Father, and yeah. and we hear those scriptures. Yeah. Um. I for me, there was never any pause in understanding mm. what who God was supposed to be, and that doesn't mean my dad was yeah. perfect by any stretch of the imagination, you know. Um. And there's definitely places I wish wish my relationship with him was richer, sure. but um, it it just reminded me what a blessing it is mm. to have a good dad who's present mm. and Kia's frankness with her own story, I think yeah. was helpful for me to hear just yeah. as a pastor and as a friend to mm. know that not everybody has that story and that yeah. can impact who you understand God, God totally. to be. There is this wild, I, I mean, I think the the father wound thing can go so deep because it does in some ways the the hurts that our our fathers carried right that mm-hmm. they may be passed on to us that that relationship with our earthly fathers we all know can so impact for good or i think distort our understanding of who god is and we mm. sort of end up trying to i don't know fit god into who we who our dads were and that can be really complicated and in some cases really traumatic mm. I think the beautiful thing about God is God seems to always be sort of kindly correcting our distorted views of him. Like, you think I'm this, yeah. but I'm actually this. I feel like that's a lot of the spiritual journey. Then I think there's this other thing where it gets really complicated is even God as father um, can be hurtful for women in general who've just felt like men have let them down. Mm. So then yeah. you're adding sort of a whole like gender dynamic onto God as father that it gets complicated this mm-hmm. this issue but then I know for other people like God is there as their daddy whose lap they can crawl into and they can experience his embrace has been really really healing so it's a it's like a very nuanced thing yeah. don't you think Yeah and I think Kia did a good job of that you know she uh, near the end of that conversation she was mentioning how Particularly our relationships with our fathers, because God presents Himself to us as Father, mm-hmm. like there can be some real spiritual, um, I think, spiritual warfare wow, and yeah. formative things spiritually that are happening there because mm. this is so central to how God presents Himself that we shouldn't we shouldn't overlook that or sort of you know minimize wow. what that's like, but. 
But I also thought, I was thinking about um, just what you said about how God takes our distortions mm-hmm. of who we, who we, what we think He is, how we respond to Him, mm-hmm. who, who Satan in the world tells us He is, and He mm-hmm. just, I think you said He gently corrects those, mm-hmm. and 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 I thought Kia brought that out well. Like there were times, you know, she's mentioning people saying stuff to her about. Um, how she should be responding, like people who didn't even know her story, yeah. and and she's like, oh man, like her, she wanted to respond by like, excuse me, but she's realizing like God is trying to address some stuff in there. Wow, and and I don't know, I I don't know where you were, but I remember places as a child, you know, screaming at my mom or whatever at my parents, you don't love me, you hate me, you know, because I didn't get my way and. <laughs> Um, perfect angel child. Oh, that's good. That's good. I don't know why you didn't pass that down, mom. Um, But, you know, and when you hear that from your own kids, you know, and to think the ways you want to respond, Mm. you know, Mm. uh, in your flesh versus how God is like, Mm. I understand where you're at and I'm going to patiently show you who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, th- this is the moments when you step back and you go, okay, God, you're good. Thank you. Thank you for being patient <laughs> with me. What do you think, like, I mean, you're a pastor, Eric, so we'll, let's be pastoral for a minute. For our listeners who have, like, a lot of father pain mm-hmm. um, and, you know, thinking about that related to God's character, what are some ways that they can begin to... I, I guess experience healing or begin undoing some of that distorted mm. view of who God is. Like, yeah. Do you have any? I mean, I know this is not like here step one, step yeah. two and three, but do you have any just kind of pastoral thoughts? So I think the easy route, and I think it would be the wrong route, is to go okay because my father wounded me so deeply and I have so much disappointment, I'm going to reject the idea of God as Father mm. because I can't handle that. Yeah, and wow. actually going and saying. I'm going to go embrace God as Father and learn what that means. Mm. Because what you see there, when you see God rightly, is what it really means to be a father. Mm. He shows you the truth about what a father is. And then you can actually go back to the way that your father failed you or hurt you and go, it legitimizes that pain. Mm -hmm. Because you see and know what real fatherhood is. Mm. Now you can say this is what fatherhood should have been. Yeah. And it's right for me to grieve it. Mm, That's good. Whereas if we reject God as father and then we have no real model of fatherhood, who's to say that whether what our fathers did or didn't do was right or wrong? Mm, Interesting. It's it's that standard of who God is that shows us, yeah, we really did suffer and we really Mm -hmm. were sinned against. Mm -hmm. And that's a real pain and it's okay to say that and then to allow the spirit of your father God to minister and heal and speak a new word over you that brings so much healing. I think that's so good because I you're right. The pendulum sort of can go, I will not think of God as father at all. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just not even and I think we have to give ourselves grace and space to yeah. be there. Like yeah. but I think you're right once you see what a perfect father we have in God. And to be able to go, oh, that's why I'm. That's why I have daddy wounds, right? Because mm-hmm. my dad isn't God. And in one sense, 
that might even give you some compassion for your own yeah. dad and the wounds he carried. Yes. You go, oh, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't God. Yeah. And, um, and Kia does such a good job of that, mm-hmm. of not like, we just need to beat up on dads that failed. Yeah. She talks about like, I don't know what my dad experienced. I mean, you said that earlier. Like, what? Um, I was just thinking like, I don't even... I know my dad loved his dad a lot, and I yeah. love my grandpa. Yeah, I don't have any context or clue what my grandpa was like in the home, mm. and you know, it's just never something I talked about. Hey, dad, what was your dad like yeah. as a dad? You know, yeah. and I've just realized that more and more. Like, it never excuses our sin, yeah. but the people who hurt us have stories. Mm-hmm. And they're both sinners and sufferers, mm-hmm. just like we are. Yeah, it certainly gives you some compassion for them that you may not have before. Well, we, I feel like we could talk about the father wound thing for a long time. If that's something that you're carrying, if that's something maybe you're walking with somebody who's carrying pain from their own dad, or, or maybe they just need to experience more of the presence of the perfect father we have in God through Jesus Christ, we'd love to invite you to go to um, our website, nothingiswasted.com slash community. We have both our community platform and our community plus platform there. We offer, for anyone who's really hurting, we offer content, we offer our videos, we offer our classes, we offer coaching, uh, relationships with other people walking through the same pain point that you're walking through. And so again, we've created all of that very intentionally for you. Nothingiswasted.com slash community. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can download and stream his music wherever you do that. Eric, you want to tell people about our social media handles? Yes, we would love to interact with you on Instagram at Nothing is Wasted Ministries, at EM Shoemaker, spelled EM Schumacher, and Obsamp. And uh, we'd love to see your faces there on Instagram. That's right. Be sure also to review, like, and subscribe the podcast um, and YouTube. Now that we're putting everything on YouTube, by doing so, you help others find our incredible stories of pain to purpose and so much more. Uh, Next week, man, I got to sit down with Tori Hope Mm. Peterson, who... So good. Her story, she grew up in the foster care system, and it's so Jesus, and it's so nothing is wasted (sighs) because now she is taking care of kids in the foster care system. She's an advocate. She's an adoptive mom. She's a bio mom. She's speaking about adoption advocacy everywhere. Like, this lady is a powerhouse. She's young. And you are you are not going to want to miss my conversation. I was in I was in tears. Oh, so many times. It, it was so just sitting down with her. Like after we got off the phone, I was like, "Whoo! I need more mm. of the Jesus that she knows." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was so good. So let's go ahead and take a listen to part of my conversation with Tori Hope Peterson. Yeah, well, the church has to be the foundation of the foster care system. We really have to um, understand Mm. what Scripture says. So in James 1, uh, 27, that's the Scripture that says, um, pure and flawless religion is to care for the orphan and the widow. 
And then James one ends. So it's like, okay, for real, there's no instruction around this. But (laughs) if we actually, when we read scripture, we don't have to read it uh, with the big numbers and with the way that it's divided up because that was put in by the modern man, not by the original authors. So let's just take that breakout, Mm -hmm. keep reading. What James continues to instruct us on is to not choose favoritism. So when a poor man comes to our home, to not put him at our feet, but to put him in the same place that we would put the rich man. So if you think about it, like what what is that calling us to? It's calling us to welcome Mm. uh, the poor, the less fortunate into our home and treat them the same as we would treat our church community, um, people who have more and put them in the same space, in the same place. It's literally, it does give us instruction. um, And we have to ask God, how do we obey that? For everyone, it's not being a foster Mm. parent. But I do believe that we can all put someone around our table and have a meal with them. I do believe Mm -hmm. that we can pick that person who's always walking off of the side of the road and give them a ride somewhere. Um, I do believe that we can go to the leadership of our church and say, hey, who are the foster parents in this in our church. And if if the leadership of your church says, I don't know, well, great. You have started a ministry all of a sudden. And now you can yeah. go find them. <laughs> wow. And what you do is you go find them wow. and you find people in the church that are going to deliver a meal to them every month. 50% of foster mm. parents quit within the first year of them becoming foster parents because they don't have support. Because being a foster parent is wow. hard. You think about, yeah. you know, when someone has a biological baby, what happens? There's baby showers. Uh, people create yeah. meal trains for them. People yeah. come and clean. People came and cleaned my house when I had my second born. Mm. And when we had foster mm. children, no one gave, we had not one person come and deliver wow. a meal. Torrent. And it's just, and it's not wow. ill-intended. It's because sure. people yep. don't think about it. People don't know what to do. But really the thing is, let's create uh, people in a ministry that are going to do the same thing for foster and adopted youth, uh, offer the mm-hmm. family support that we would biological children so that foster parents are able to feel supported and, and stay in it.